Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. Open your Bibles to Mark, chapter number 16. I'm not going to teach long, uh, but we're going to try to teach good on baptism. We've been talking about baptism now for a month and a half, and I may jump in the water myself, depending. We've got it, we've got it at like, I don't know, 34 degrees, so it should be, should be about right for everybody who wants to get uh, baptized. But listen to me, water is one of the most, if not the most, universal forms of cleansing something. You know, that makes sense spiritually, but it even makes sense in the natural. It doesn't matter if you're, on, if you're in Russia, if you're in uh, uh, Canada, Mexico, Taiwan, whatever. If something's dirty, you want some water. And the more water you got, the more clean you can figure it's going to be. That's why the Bible says that we are to be washed by the water of the Word of God. That's why at this church we put an extreme priority on the Word of God because it literally will just cleanse you. You can get to a place where when you're under the anointed Word of God, when the anointed Word of God is penetrating your ears and getting down into your spirit, all of a sudden things just start falling off of you that you didn't even know you were carrying around and you just begin to get cleansed because water is one of the great cleansing factors on the whole planet. Furthermore, water shows up in three different distinct forms. You have ice, which is solid. You have water, which is liquid, like you get out of your tap or whatever. And then you have steam, which would be a vapor. And it's very similar with the Lord. You see, a lot of people get you know, wrapped up in the idea of how can God be three but one, one but three, because we have a Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. How can all those things be the same thing but still be different manifestations? Well, I can't explain it exactly to you. That'd be something in heaven when we get to the throne room and we ask Him about it. But at the same time, if you really want a good representation... You can just look at water, which takes up more of the earth than anything else. It's found in all three different states, and nobody will look at a block of ice and argue, say, that's not water. It certainly is water. It's just in a different form, and it has a different use, and it has a different purpose. And you don't want water that's hot in the form of steam when you're trying to cool off. But if you're trying to heat something up, you don't want a bunch of block ice. So God manifests himself supernaturally and overwhelmingly powerful in three different ways. So when Jesus said, was asked, how do you pray? He said, you pray this way. Our Father. That means when you pray, you ought to be praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. So you pray to the Father, but then the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, He said, I don't even do anything except I saw my Father do it already. So literally, the Father somehow was the example for the Son. So if you want to know how the Father acts, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the man Jesus that walked the earth is how God the Father acts in heaven. How many times did Jesus walk up to somebody who was hurting, dying, afflicted, or, 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 or uh, totally in bondage and say, I'm not willing to help you? He never did it. And he's not going to start today. So I don't care where you're going. I don't care if it's a lawsuit. I don't care if it's a tax problem. I don't care if it's I can't get a job. I don't care if it's I'm always sick. I don't care if I can't get my car to go into drive instead of neutral. Whatever it is, he's more than enough. He's more than able and he's willing to help you. 
The third way that He manifests Himself so powerfully and supernaturally is with His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit, when He showed up, when Jesus was baptized, Jesus is our great example. Anything Jesus do, the Bible says we ought to do it and more, so says the Scripture. But the Bible says in each one of the four accounts, uh, and if you're not familiar, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four different accounts of the ministry of Jesus Christ, approximately started when He was 30, and then ended whenever He went to heaven at about 33 and a half years old to go to prepare a place for us. So He, by example, goes and is baptized by His cousin named John, and the Bible says in all four accounts that whenever Jesus was baptized in water, that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. The Holy Spirit descended and came on Jesus just like a dove. And many of you guys are going to experience the peace that only the Spirit of God can bring whenever you come out of this tub of water. There's a different thing that happens when you obey God. Listen to me. It's different when you live for God. When you live for God, you get to apply the promises of God. When you live for God, you expect a good thing to happen and not a bad thing to happen. When you live for God, you say, if the fire gets turned up, fine by me, because I know Jesus will be in there with me. When you live for God, you don't just bounce around going, I hope something good is going to happen in my life. You bounce around knowing He's going to make me the head and not the tail. Everybody in my house is going to serve God. My entire family is going to get born again. My entire family is going to get baptized. Everything about my life now has reason, purpose, and motivation to do it with all gusto because I don't even work for man anymore. I do everything as unto the Lord. Everything I do now matters. I can't get dressed the same anymore. I can't talk the same anymore. I can't tell the same dirty, nasty jokes anymore. I can't talk about my sister-in-law anymore. I can't cuss about my mother-in-law anymore. I can't stomp and flip somebody off in traffic anymore because everything about my life now has reason and now has purpose. It is different when you live for God. You don't live by the same uh, rule book. Whenever the devil comes in and starts questioning you and starts telling you, just like I said in Luke chapter number 22, you say, yeah, that may be right, but the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover my sins. Everything changes when you live for God. One of the most powerful things you can do is get in a bucket of water like this and be baptized because you're not just telling yourself, but you're telling every witness in the room, I've chosen Jesus over everything else. Interesting thing about water is when you get in it, you're not kind of wet. You are wet. You are saturated. You can sit there, and I don't know about you guys, but when you're getting in an old creek bed or something, I grew up way in the country, and we would swim in any creek or water or draw, anything that had water. I remember one time, I remember one time, we were swimming in a chrysote pond. (laughs) That may be what's wrong with me, y'all. But I remember walking in this pond. Me and my buddy found it. We thought we found it. We were walking, and everywhere we'd step, that old chrysote would just bubble up and bubble up. But it smelled so terrible. But, man, it was hot. <laughs> so we were swimming. Anyway, but you know how when you're getting in an old creek, and it's cold, and you're walking in, it's like, okay, it's a little cold on my ankles. Okay, it's real cold on my knees. Then you hit waist deep, and you're like, now it's cold. And then you get down, and you submerge the area where your heart and your head is, and all of a sudden, you are what that water wants you to be you're either cold or you're hot well here's what his bible says the bible says whenever you are baptized 
in Galatians, the Bible says that you are literally putting on Jesus and not just kind of putting him on. Every piece of you is now covered in Christ, which now empowers you to go boldly to his father and make your request known unto him. Not under the ideology that I got it right last week, so now I can pray. Or I missed it last week, now I can't pray. No, you go to him just like what you are, which is the righteousness of God in Christ. Because when the father looks at you, he's not seeing Jeff or Larry, or Susie. He's seeing the blood of His Son that was shed to pay the price. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's different when you live for God. And being baptized is one of the greatest things that you can do to show the Lord how important He is in your life. People came to John the Baptist as soon as they got the revelation that they needed to repent from sin. Repent is not a word we use very often today. Most people, when you say the word repent, would think uh, uh, apologize. So if I were to say something ugly to my wife and I said, I'm sorry, that would sound like repenting. But that's not the word at all. The word repent is literally to turn away. It's to be going this way, now I'm going to repent, and now I'm going this way. That is what repenting is. And the people that got the revelation of the necessity of baptism for the sake of repenting of sin came to the place and the knowledge that it's not working the way I'm doing it, so I've got to make a change. Don't ever forget it's never too late to turn around. It's never too late that no matter how far you think you've gone away from God, you're halfway there just turning back. There's no problem with God that's too great. There's nothing you've done that He's so mad at you or anything like that. Think about this. He let His own son die. The Bible says, what would He withhold from you and from me? His very own son, the children are in here today. I couldn't imagine losing one of mine for any of you guys. And he left, he lost one, his only begotten son that never did anything wrong. All for the chance, for the hope that on a day like today, you would say yes to Jesus and no to sin and death. Jesus is our great example. He was baptized. But that's not the place that baptism started. You see, baptism began long, long ago in one of the greatest places in the Hebrew, uh, in, in the Jewish culture, which is in turn with our culture because we've been grafted in. That we're, the Jews are our brothers. Hebrew people are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, those that are going to come to know the Lord. We're just all in one big family. But what it was is for 400 years, the Israelites were in bondage in a place called Egypt. They were slaves, the Bible says. And they had to make bricks for the Egyptians, which were building an empire. And then all of a sudden, God raised up a deliverer named Moses. And and he came. He he was actually raised in the palace and came back. I'm going to skip a lot for the sake of time. He was raised in the palace, then came back to be the deliverer and told Pharaoh. He said, you better let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, no, of course, like any other Middle East terrorist would do. And the Bible says that... Uh, Moses came back and said, you will let the people go or uh, God's going to do this, 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 and this. And he brings all these plagues on Egypt. And the Bible says that when he does, finally, after uh, the last plague, the Bible says that Pharaoh decided to release the Israelites out of captivity. 
You and me have been released out of captivity. The exact same way it happened then is the exact same way it happens now. The Bible says that the last plague was that the firstborn of everybody in Egypt was going to be killed if they did not have the blood of a spotless lamb covering the doorpost to their home, the doorframe. So what would happen was, or what happened that night was, is Moses came back and said, Okay, everybody, go find a spotless lamb, kill it, take the blood, and put it on the door of your home, because tonight, death is coming calling. I don't matter, it doesn't matter if you were born yesterday or born a hundred years ago, death comes calling to everybody. You don't get out of this dispensation without crossing through the portal of death. There have been a couple of exceptions to that in the Scripture, but by and large, that is the way. So what happens is, is death comes calling that night, and he's going over all the households, and he looks down, and where he sees the blood of a spotless lamb, the Bible says that he passed over that home, and the whole house was saved. So God is looking for one thing. When it comes to your life and where you will spend eternity. He's looking for the blood of a spotless lamb. The Bible says that the one who opens the womb, the one, the firstborn son, the Bible says is holy unto God, therefore ought to be given to God, meaning like your children. When you have children, you ought to dedicate them to the Lord. You ought to pray over them say, Lord, I thank you for entrusting me with this life. Help me to raise them in the fear and admonition of you. But this is your child and I'm going to do my best to raise it on this side of glory. You ought to be doing that. So the Bible says that the firstborn is blessed and belongs to the the Lord. So what happened was, is death was coming calling for what was owed that night. And the Egyptians, being as they worshipped pagan gods and sorcery and witchcraft and all other kind of stuff, not to mention they were enslaving the God's people, they didn't put any blood on their door, they didn't have any idea of the covenant that God was making with the Israelites. And the Bible says that that night the firstborn of every household was killed by the angel of death. And there was weeping and wailing and everybody was crying. And the Bible says that because of death, the Israelites were able to walk out of the place they were in bondage. You know, it's the same with you and me. I don't care if you're bound by an addiction or bound by a bad attitude or or bound by a, a mean wife. No, I'm just kidding. The bottom line is, it's the blood of the Lamb that will set you free. So the Egyptians say, okay, guys, you've got to get out of here. If, y'all are going to, if, if your God's going to kill our kids, you've got to get out of here. Now, number one, those kids weren't killed by God. Those kids were killed by the choice to not get under the blood of the Lamb. So they get to walk out of Egypt, the Bible said, and they've got all kind of gold and silver, and they're trying to carry it out. And they get to a place called the Red Sea. And the Bible says that whenever they got to the Red Sea, that the Egyptians got in their chariots and they began to chase them down and were planning on killing them there because they felt like they they had them trapped. And all of a sudden the Israelites said, Oh, Moses, doggone it, you got us out of here by the blood of a lamb. He said, But now we're all going to die right here on the banks of this sea. And I just don't know why you did that. We could have at least died there or eaten something there. They had tombs that we could have been buried in. Why did you get us out to to be killed here? And Moses walks up to that sea picks up his stick, points at the water, and says, get out of the way, water. The Bible says, boom, water splits open. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And all the Israelites walk across. They go through the water. They come out by the blood. 
But then they go through the water. The Bible says they get to the other side. They're in the middle of the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, now they've got to begin to trust God. They've got to believe God. They don't have anywhere to get water. They don't have anywhere to get food. And God says, if you need water, why don't you take a stick and go hit that rock? Boom, Moses hits a rock. And whoosh, water flows out. Plenty of them, plenty for them to drink. Said we're hungry. God said, here's some bread. Pow. Said we don't like bread. We like meat. I do too. Pow. Gives them some quail. But the bottom line is baptism didn't start with John the Baptist. Baptism became an example because of John the Baptist. You are delivered by the blood of the Lamb. You are saved. But then he says, be baptized. Wash that old stuff away. Because what I want to do is lead you in an area where the only thing you can do is trust me. You see, living for God, we don't always have it all figured out. On the contrary, we walk by faith and not by what we see. So for us, one of the things that we can do is to be baptized so that we can get to a place where God will entrust us to trust Him. Did you know in the wilderness they were never attacked? Did you know in the wilderness they never had to go to the grocery store? They were delivered every morning. The Bible says that their shoes didn't even wear out. They were there for 40 years walking around. The next example that we would see, of course, would be Jesus when he was baptized. And the Bible says that when he was baptized, boom, the Spirit of God uh, descended in the form of a dove. His daddy in heaven, our father, said, behold, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, the Bible says, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days. Israelites were in the wilderness for 400 years. This didn't start with John the Baptist, and it didn't end with John the Baptist. Do you guys have your Bibles open to Mark, chapter number 16? The Bible says this. This is Jesus. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is the good news, to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Listen to this part now. You don't hear this at every church. But he that believeth not shall be damned. If you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this era, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you run a hundred charities. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, your soul will find itself in a place that is separated from God for all eternity. It will find itself in a place separated from God with no way to cross the cavern of separation. You see, when we're all born, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's created a cavern, a, a, a big cavern even now. Where we have us over here, we are sinners, and we have a sinless God over here. And we're trying to get back. He's trying to get to us. We're trying to get to Him. But don't you know that if you take a dirty dish rag and you wipe it on a clean pot, the clean pot is no longer clean. 
It's the same with us and God. If we were to touch God, who is perfect, not only would we die, and that's just a whole other teaching, but the bottom line is He would no longer be perfect because imperfection has touched Him. So in this dispensation, in this era, we have the opportunity to choose God because He created a bridge that would span the cavern that is between us and Him in the form of an old rugged cross through the blood of a spotless Savior. Two more points. You still with me? Baptism will not save you. I know there's a lot of places that teach that. But it's not in the Bible. The Bible says that you need to believe and you need to be baptized. But the Bible also says that if you don't believe, you got no chance. It doesn't say if you're not baptized. How do I know this? When Jesus was crucified, there was a guy on this side that was crucified. There was a guy on this side that was crucified. And one of them cried out to Jesus in an agonizing moment and said, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus did not say to him, you better climb off this cross and get baptized. He said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Don't get in this water thinking it will save your soul. You're saved by grace through faith, which means because of grace, because of Jesus, you have the opportunity to, by faith, choose to believe Him. That's the way it is, that's the way it is now, and that's certainly the way it's always been. Last point. The Egyptians made the Israelites make bricks. And they made the bricks. And they made just as many bricks that was necessary to keep them from getting their back beaten with a whip. You see, there is a difference between a son and a slave. When you get born again... When you get baptized, you go from living a life of bondage and slavery to a life of freedom and family. Did you know that if you are a son and you're working for your father who is in heaven, the Bible says it this way. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That means we're not just working on a kingdom that we're not going to have access to. We're working on a kingdom that we're going to be able to touch, feel, smell. It's a real place. It's, a, it's more real than Houston. It's got streets made out of gold, great big gates. The Bible says there's mansions being built for you and for me, not trailer parks, mansions. Mansions. But for us right now, if you live for God from a slave mentality as if he was a taskmaster, please listen, you have a terrible idea. Of who he is. He's not a taskmaster. He's not a tyrant. He is love. And he proved it. With three nails. One crown of thorns. And a spear. So if you've ever thought. I've got to do this for God. Because if I don't. He's going to A, B, C, D. Get it out of your mind. ABC was finished when Jesus says, it is finished. He's not here to punish you. He's here to save you. He's not here to take from you. He's here to bless you. 
And if you don't know, just open your Bible and read it. It's the greatest love story ever written about a God who longs so much to be back in touch with His creation that He would allow His own Son to pay the ultimate price. Interestingly enough, in Mark chapter 16, it says, Preach the good news of the gospel, which, by the way, if you're preaching to people and it's not good news, I would ask you to change your tactic. If you're preaching to a drunk and just tell them how they're going to rot in hell, I wish you'd change your tactic. I wish you'd tell them how much God loves them. I wish you'd show them the love of God. If you're talking about the guy on TV that's on the news station that you don't like and you've got nothing but vile things to say about him, I wish you'd change your tone because that same mouth of yours is the mouth that God wants to use to minister to the guy at work. Can't serve two masters. Make the tree good, make the tree bad. Everything matters. Not something matters. Everything matters. But he said it real interesting there. He said, he said this. He said, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. Creature, it's, it's odd. Why wouldn't he say to every person? Because here's the deal. Every human being is one type of creature or the other. There's only two types of humans in the world. All this other nonsense about people trying to, you know, be all these different... Uh, uh, the children are in here, but y'all know what I'm saying. Trying to be all these different things. Nonsense. There's two types. Born again. Not born again. So in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, he said, no you not. Excuse me. He says, when you become a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's why he said preach to every creature. That's why you guys who are born again, raise your hand if you're born again. Wave at me. Listen, that's why when I'm saying this, you're going, yeah, yeah, oh man, Jesus, whoo, I love him so much more. I tell you, my faith's given, I just love him. And that's why uh, anybody in the room that's not there yet is going, I wish, I wish I had somebody like that, that I could know stuck closer than a brother, that knew, that I know that they would never leave me and never forsake me, that, that literally would pay the price for me even before I said yes. I wish I had somebody like that in my life because Jesus said you need to preach to both kinds, both types of creatures. Two different kinds. So I'm going to ask a simple question. I would ask you to bow your head and close your eyes if you would please. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info